There was Abraham, there was Isaac, there was Jacob, and for me came Jonathan Jeet. Jonathan Jeet is not just the hero of the word, he is the doer of the word too. The Lord's glory is in him and through him and whenever he uh, visits my extended family members, regardless what the occasion is, the glory of the Lord just shines over him and through him. And my extended family always, always mentions that. And the word of God says, believe in the Lord and you shall be saved in your household. I believe one day they too will be saved. We don't, sometimes we don't need to speak a word. Sometimes we just live the life that Jesus gave us to live. And that's what Jonathan is doing, doing amongst our extended family. And uh, some of them are here today, and they are my witnesses that he lives a life that God has given him in, in, in uh, my extended family. And one day they will be saved. I believe that. Other than Jonathan Jeet, God blessed my husband and I with another son who is older than Jonathan Jeet. His name is Sarvesh Jeet. He is practicing law in Calgary, from Calgary right now. A very uh, humble person believes in the Lord, plays drums in the worship ministry, and he's the one who inspired me to learn drums and play drums. Yeah. So uh, ladies can do that too. Amen. Praise God. So, and, and I call him my buddy. So he's in Calgary. He could not make it today. And uh, Jonathan and Sarvesh Jeet are two good boys that God has blessed my husband and me with. Other than them, God also blessed us with a precious, precious Princess Janice. And she's the oldest in the family. And when I talk about Janice, I have a story to tell. Uh, we were new immigrants to Canada. We just came to Canada. And Janice, being the oldest in, girl in the family, uh, she came to us one day and she said, Mom, it's our prom night. Can I go, please? Oh, no, no, no. You can't go to prom night. It's night. You're a girl. You can't go. And my husband said, no, no, no way, Janice. Don't even think about that. You're not going. Uh, she just went away quietly as an obedient child. But later, our church members told us, no, this is normal. This is what happens. And the children in Canada, they look forward for their prom night. Finally, we agreed in one condition that I will be dropping her and I will be picking her and I had no cars at that time. We had no vehicle at that time. So we told her, you're going to catch the sky train from King George, come to Barad where I was working in downtown and from there I will take you to Penn Pacific Hotel. That's the place where she was going to have her prom night. She agreed, she was happy. So she wore the peach gown that her grandma gave her. She did all her makeup. She came in the SkyTrain from King George to, to Barat Station. And she came up to the 14th floor where I was working. And my manager said, is she going to the prom night? I said, yes. And he said, how is she coming? I said, oh, she's taking the SkyTrain. And from here, I'm going to walk her to, to the Penn Pacific Hotel. He said, what's wrong with you, Rita? People go in limousine. My heart broke. My princess came all the way in the sky train, no limousine. So I checked my wallet, I had $20. And I thought, okay, 
instead of walking her to Pan Pacific Hotel, I'm going to hire a cab. So I got excited. I had $20 in my wallet. So I came down with my daughter, all dressed up, makeup, everything. We came down. And as we came down, right in front of us was a flashing black limousine. And the person came out and opened the door. And I said, no, 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 no. We didn't hire the limousine. He said, have you ever sat in a limousine? I said, no. He said, come on in. So my daughter and I sat in the limousine with $20 in my wallet. $20 in my wallet. Now my heart is beating fast. The driver took us around and then stopped. He, he took us quite a while. He took us around Vancouver City. And then he stopped at, uh, at uh, uh, the Pan Pacific Hotel. And I told my daughter, you wait for me outside. I didn't want her to know that I didn't have the money to pay the driver. So I said, you wait for me outside. I took out the $20 with my heart beating fast. And I said, this is all I have. He looked at me in my eyes and he said, paid in full. He didn't take my $20. And my daughter went to her prom night in the limousine. It was a miracle for me that day. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he provides. He provides all our needs, regardless what our needs are. He provides our need on time, right on the dot. He provides our need. Our godly desires, he will make a way for us to receive our godly desires. Anything godly that you ask, anything that is in the word of God, if you ask from God, he is definitely and surely going to provide you the desires of your heart. Because the Bible says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it shall be given to you. God provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. Even limousine, which was not actually something that we really needed, but at that moment, he just came in. Praise God for that. I really praise God for that. At this time, I want to acknowledge my childhood friend, my husband of 33 years, Yogesh Jeet. Why don't you rise up to your feet so that others can just see you? I know you are shy. Just rise up to your feet that others... Like all other men, like all other husbands, my husband also has his shortcomings. But I, but I overlook all of them. The reason why, the reason why, because he is a man who prays. Every morning he will hold my hands and he will pray. Every night before we go to sleep, he will again hold my hand and pray. If he's doing night shift and he's not available to hold my hand and pray, he will pray over the phone. He is the man who always encourages me to do ministry, be it going anywhere in the world, U.S., Fiji, Australia, New Zealand, India, Pakistan, taking tour groups to Israel, anything, anything to do with ministry, he is standing behind me, praying for me, encouraging me, supplying me with the needs, financial needs too, 
and, and, and allows me to go and do all these things. And while I'm out there doing all these things, he takes care of the family. He takes care of the Way Truth Life Church. So, Yogesh, I just want to say thank you so much. By the way, enough of my family. I didn't come to share the story of my family. I came to share the story of myself, my story. So my story, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, as I share my story, Lord, let me be your mouthpiece. Let me decrease and you increase. Let me hide and you shine. Let me die and you live. Let others be touched and lives be changed. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So my story. Sorry for that. As a five-year-old girl, I was abused by my uncle. I lived in fear all my life. I did not share with my parents. I did not share with anybody uh, that was very close to me for the fear that that uncle would kill my mom. I loved my mom a lot. So all my life, I lived in fear. After my school, at the age of 17, the first person who came and proposed me to get married to him, I said yes and yes and yes. And it lasted 33 years with Yogesh. So he knew all the story. I told him all the story beforehand. And we got married when I was only 17, and he wasn't even 19. At the age of 18, I gave birth to a beautiful daughter, Janice. And then at the age of 19, I started working in the national radio station of Fiji as an announcer. During those, those days, Fiji did not have TV in all homes. TV was not a popular thing in all homes. Um, Cell phone was a no-no. Everybody didn't carry cell phones like we do today in Fiji at that time, in those days. So radio was the only medium that used to give news to people, entertain people, and keep people going. People used to hear radio in their homes, in buses, in cabs, in their vehicles, going to work, coming back from work. So, so they used to hear the voice. And I was one of the voices behind that. And uh, I became sort of a celebrity in Fiji. People knew me. They knew Rita Jeet. So I was very popular too. I would uh, do outside broadcast, which, mean that, which meant that I would be going in public places and take up the mic and speak. I guess get, God was preparing me to speak and reach out to the lost during those time too. So I would take up the mic and I would talk about stores, about shops, about other things. I used to meet dignitaries. I used to meet Bollywood stars, interview them. Uh, I used to um, uh, be master of ceremony in many, many shows, musical shows, local shows, uh, Bollywood shows, and all other things. So I used to do all those things. I was a celebrity. And uh, my feet would not be walking on the, on the ground. I was always flying sky high. I was always in the sky. I had a lot of pride in me. I was younger, so I thought I looked very beautiful at that time. And, uh, and that was my life. And um, I never did anything in the house. 
My, I had two housemaids who did everything in the house, cook, clean, iron, every other thing. So I never did anything. I was a queen. So that's how I lived my life. And then one day, something happened. Because I was a celebrity, I knew the next morning it would become the headline. Newspaper headline, radio headline news, everything. And I just did not know what to do. I knew that my life was coming to an end. I went to my prayer room. It was a quite a big room. We ha I was a Hindu. I believed in Hinduism at that time. I went in front of the small G gods, and I stood in front of them, and I said, save me, save me. And I stood there for quite some time, quite some time. I was crying. I was asking for help. They had ears. They couldn't hear me. They had eyes. They couldn't see me. They had mouth. They couldn't answer me. I kept on saying, help me, help me, save me, save me. Nothing happened. So I walked to my living room, and I sat on the sofa, and this is what I said. Jesus, if you are God, show me. See the difference I said? When I was standing in front of those uh, idols uh, where I used to worship all the time, a room full of that, I, I said, save me, save me. But when it came to Jesus, I said, Jesus, show me. I didn't know who Jesus was. I said, show me who you are. Do you look like a lion? You have 10 heads, 10 hands? You look like a snake? What do you look like? Show me. Because I was so used to at looking at images and praying to the images. I came from Hindu background. There are 33 million gods in Hinduism. So I don't know all their names. I didn't know them either. So I said, Jesus, show me. And I went to the sofa. It was 23rd of August, 1996. Friday, 9.15 p.m. Jonathan was three years old and he was on his tricycle. And I looked through, through the window. Out in the sky, I saw a small dot. A light, a small dot, a light. Just like Constantine, the Emperor Constantine saw when he was going for the battle. I saw this light on the sky, in the sky. And the light started coming closer and closer and closer to me. As the light started coming closer to me, I saw a man holding a torch, uh, a stick with the fire, the mashal. He was holding that. And I tried to get up off my sofa. I tried to reach out. I wanted to hold the torch. I wanted to hold the torch that I could see in the sky. And suddenly the torch vanished. The man's arm was wide open. And he was as bright as the sun. And this is what I said. Jesus, I'm yours. That's all I said. That's my sinner's prayer. That's the first encounter I had with Jesus. I said, Jesus, I'm yours. And right away, right away, 
I felt so much joy. I felt so much peace. I looked around and behind me, I saw crosses all over the place. In the living room, I saw crosses. In the dining room, I saw crosses. I went to the kitchen, I saw crosses. I went to the bedroom, I saw crosses. I went to the temple area, I saw crosses all over the place. And when I looked back on the sky, in the sky, everything vanished. But that moment, my sinful life, my self-righteousness, my fear, my pride, everything, I gave it to Jesus when I said, I am yours. And Jesus gave himself to me, his resurrected life, his faithfulness, his righteousness. Jesus gave that to me. I gave my sinful life to him and it was exchanged with Jesus' resurrected life. So my life, we'll go to the second slide. My life just did not get changed. My life was exchanged. My old went and the new came in. I had a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then we lived in one bedroom apartment in, in Vancouver. We were in Canada, my kids were little kids. And we lived in one bedroom apartment in, in, in Vancouver. But I'm going to go back to that story in a bit. Before that, I want to share what happened the next uh, day. The next day was Saturday. It went calmly. My husband still didn't know that I was a believer now. And then came Sunday. As I told you before, I was the queen. My husband would not let me take any transit. He will, uh, public transit. He will drop me to the place wherever I wanted to go, never questioned me, still he doesn't. And he would pick me from the place wherever he would drop me. So that day he was sleeping and I woke him and I said, hey, I want to go to my friend's place and I want to help her do some cooking. I didn't know how to cook then. My house, housemate did all the cooking. And he said, okay, go. That was a miracle. He would drop me, he would pick me. He knew I didn't know how to cook. But that day he said, okay, go. I just got out of the house and I just ran out through the door. Not a second thought. Because if I had a second thought, he might say no. He might say, I'll drop you and then I'll be caught. I wanted to go to a church. So I got out of the house and I ran and a car stopped. I sat in the car and I went. I went. And the driver said, it was a taxi. The driver said, where to? I said, just drive. And he drove, and he drove, and he drove, and he drove. Finally, he stopped. When he stopped, I looked at myself. That was the first time the announcer, Rita Jeet, went out of the house with no makeup, with no matching dress, with no shoes at all, bare feet and with no wallet again nothing I just ran I was crazy I just wanted to be in the church so I looked at the driver and I said I don't have the taxi fare he looked at me and he said paid in full I never saw the driver again I went in the church it was Lamy Gospel Church and uh, I went inside the church, I sat in the church, and everybody started sharing their testimonies. I stood up, I raised my hand, and I stood up, the talkative one, and I said, 
I want to say that I belong to Jesus Christ. Today I am in church. And in three weeks time, my husband will be in church too. And I sat down. My husband doesn't even know I'm in church right now. And when I sat down, my heart started beating fast. And I said, oh my gosh. Now if he doesn't come to church, people will laugh at me. And I said, Jesus, I trust you. Don't put me to shame. Friday I got saved. Sunday I'm telling Jesus, I trust you. Don't put me to shame. At that time, I didn't have the Bible. I didn't read the word. But the word of God says, trust the Lord and you will never be put to shame. My husband was in church in three weeks' time. Not only did my husband come, my cousin brother also came to church. And right now he is a minister in Fiji. His name is the Pastor Dharmen. And he reaches out to the lost in the remote areas. Every third month, he would go to the remote areas and reach out to the lost people. So God did not just acknowledge what I wanted. He went beyond that and blessed my cousin to come to church also. And they got saved and my entire family got saved. I was the first one to be saved in my family. And now there are many pastors in my family. There are many others who are saved. So is my brother and my sister-in-law who are sitting here today and they also got saved so praise god when you trust in the lord he will never 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 put to shame all you got to do is have that little mustard seed like faith when you have little mustard seed like faith you trust in jesus you ask him he will not put you to shame never put you to shame because the word of god says those who put their Trust in the Lord are never put to shame. And word of God is never wrong. It's never wrong. It's always fulfilled. Praise God for that. And then I'll get back when we came to Canada to cut the story short. Before I came to Canada, God even promoted me from being a radio announcer for so many years. God promoted me to be the program director of that station. I became the program director of the station. He promoted me. I was not qualified for that. Definitely I was not qualified for that. But miraculous way, God promoted me to be there. Promotion comes from God. If you are at your workplace and you are having some difficult time, don't worry about it. God has put you there for a reason, for a season. And when you are there for a reason, for a season, he knows what he's doing in your life. When I was a radio announcer, I thought I was flying high and I was a celebrity there. But God was preparing me for people. He was allowing me to know and learn about people as I talked with people, as I interacted with people, as I held the mic and spoke to people. God was allowing me and preparing me for this day when I go to the ends of the world and I share the good news to people. So God was preparing me. Likewise, wherever you are, whatever job you are doing, no job is small or big. Our Jesus was a carpenter's son when he was on this earth. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, but he was a carpenter's son on this earth. So whatever you are doing, you know that God has put you there for a reason, for a season. And don't worry, no matter how difficult the situation may look, Jesus is with you and he will make you come through it. And promotion is coming from God. The word of God says, all good things come from above and he adds no trouble to it. Believe in that, claim that, receive that. We came back to Canada and we lived in one bedroom apartment with my children, my husband and I, uh, in, in Fraser St Street uh, in Vancouver. 
And we had our neighbor, very nice, kind neighbors, my brother and his wife. So we'd sneak into their place for food sometimes, for, uh, for rides often, and you name it. So, uh, so we lived in that place, and every evening, Jonathan, Sarvesh, and Janice, they will have some arguments. And the argument will be, who is going to sleep on the couch? Whoever sleeps in the couch, the other two would sleep on the floor. So it was uh, like, a piece, like it was something that they were looking forward for, that who would be sleeping on the couch and the rest sleeping uh, uh, on the mattress, on the floor. And my heart always melted for that. I wanted my children to have their own beds. I couldn't afford it. I was studying accounting, and my husband was the only breadwinner in the family, and uh, it was difficult. So I found a place, uh, it was a three-bedroom basement suite, and uh, we were going to move into that three-bedroom basement suite. Last minute, the owner said, mm -mm, we can't give it to you. You have little kids, they're going to cry, they're going to make noise, they're going to be naughty, and, and we can't give it to you. I was so down that day. I cried. But within a couple of days, we had to fly to Fiji. We left our children to my parents to take care of them. Yogesh and I went to Fiji. And as we were traveling in the plane, God spoke to Yogesh and me together. Before we came to Canada, we had a taxi business. And when we were coming to Canada, I had my other family members there, my blood family members there. But there was one, this guy, he was young, baby Christian, wasn't our friend, wasn't our relative, no, nobody. But the only thing that binded us together was he was a believer in Christ, a baby Christian. So we gave him our taxi to take care of our taxi and give us $300 per month. Actually, it should have been $1,000 per month at that time, leasing it out. But we said, just give us $300. He used to transfer $300 for one, two months, and then he stopped. So when we went back to him to cut the story short, his wife said, I'm going to buy the car and buy the taxi business from you. And we said, okay. And we said, how much? And she said, 20000 The taxi business was supposed to be 25000 We said, okay, take it for 20000 How are you going to pay? And she said, I'm going to put it in your account. I said, no way. You didn't put the 300 lease money. How would you put a, uh, the, the installment if I sign everything to your name? You wouldn't do that. My husband said, stop it. Being a very submissive wife, I'm still a very submissive wife. Ask him later on. So, so I said, okay. So we went uh, to the um, uh, control board and we signed all the documents to the name. When we were in the plane, God spoke to my husband and I both together. Give it to him. There's a difference between give and sell. God said, give. Sometimes jokes can be quite expensive. So I cut down my joke when my husband intervened. Because we knew we were going to give it to him. I wasn't going to sell it to him. We knew we would give it to him. So my husband and I signed all the documents. And that evening, the wife's family came together, invited us for dinner. We went there. The wife's family saw that there was no bonding between us except that we were binded by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ that binded us together is the strongest bonding anybody can ever have. 
And the family saw that. They sat down there. We shared the gospel with them. We prayed with them. They heard the good news. And we shared the meal with them. We ate together. I would have got $25,000 if I wanted from them. But those five lives were way more precious and worthy than that $25,000. We came back to Canada happy, glorifying, joyful. The very same week, God gave us our very first firm out brand new car, the red Chevrolet that we had. And then that very same week, God gave us a townhouse in Surrey with no down payment, zero down payment. And that very same year, God gave us a house, a uh, I don't know how many bedroom, I forgot right now, maybe three, four, five, five bedroom house in, in Delta. And then within a year or so, God blessed us with a three level house in Surrey where we are currently living. So all this came with, 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 with just being obedient to God. We can never, 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 never outgive God. Things of this world will perish, but things of God is for eternity. We could have taken the $25,000 and paid the down payment for the townhouse, but for us, those five lives were more precious. For God, those five lives were more, more, more precious than any other thing at that moment. But we cannot outgive God. When we came back, we were blessed with so much in abundance, in abundance. The current house that we are living in right now, it's a three-level house, and we are hardly paying anything out of our own pocket for the mortgage. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So church, I just want to, I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to share with you that Things of this world will perish, but things of God is for eternity. Book of First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17 says that, that things of this world will perish, but things of God is for eternity. Invest in the things of eternity. Invest in the things of uh, uh, God. Many times we are too much thinking about me, myself, I. Think about God and what he has done for us. You can never, never outgive God. My life just did not change. It was exchanged. The very day I said, Jesus, I am yours. My life was resurrected. The old had gone and the new had come. What matters to Jesus matters to me. What matters to Jesus matters to my family. What matters to Jesus matters to Christians, to believers. And lost soul matters to me. Lost soul matters to us. So what we did, we turned our living room, which was decorated with fancy Nancy furniture, which we bought of my choice, and some, some um, water fountain and all other things that we got from across the border. How we got it, don't ask me. We prayed. So it was we were allowed to get it through. So all that decoration from my living room was removed. We removed all those and we did a church setting there. We put chairs there in 2008. 
And we started picking up people from seniors' home, people who were on wheelchairs, who could not sit in a church sitting. Uh, we have been to a couple of churches where church service would last for more than three hours sometimes. So don't complain if you are here for another five extra minutes. Sorry, I won't take that long. Jonathan already warned me many times, make sure you are on time, mom. So relax, relax. That's why I'm looking at my watch all the time. So, so we would pick them. My husband would go and pick those people uh, who would not be otherwise be able to go to church. So he'll go and pick them up, bring them home. And uh, I would wake up at 5 a.m. I'll cook food for them. I'll ask them, what food would you like to eat next week? They will tell me. And then I'll cook for them. At, I'll wake up at 5 a.m., do the cooking and all. My husband would go and pick them up. And then we'll have church service in the house. So that's how... Where Tooth Life Church was planted in 2008. We had about 30, 40 people coming to our home uh, to have fellowship together, sing, worship, praise, hear the word of God, eat, eat the spiritual manna, and then the food from Rita's kitchen. By now, I knew how to cook. By now, I knew how to cook, and I still do cook. And during the Daughters of the King, where about 200 plus women come, I go and cook. For them too with the help of some other friends of mine however so uh, uh where truth life started and one day one day while i was at work i just walked walked right inside my ceo's office the ceo did not allow people to just go in any time i had done business studies i had done communication I knew the proper channel that I was supposed to follow. I overlooked my manager. I don't know why, even though I knew I should not have. I just walked into my CEO's office. And when the CEO looked at me and he said, okay, come in. So I went in, he said, take seat. I took seat and he said, what can I do for you? I said, I want to study. And he said, what do you want to study? I said, I want to study theology. And he said, okay, so you mean to say you are going to resign from work? I said, no, 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 no. I can't resign from work. I owe a mortgage that I need to pay. I want to work too. So he said, okay, are you going to um, take night classes, online classes? I said, no, 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 no. I haven't been in school for quite some time. I want to be in class and study class and they don't have night classes. PLBC, I want to be there from 8 to 11.30, five days a week. I wanted to take five subjects. So he said, okay, so how can I help? I said, I need a full-time job. The office used to start at 8 a.m. and finish at 5 p.m. There's nothing impossible for God. And my CEO said, go, send me an email. So I sent him an email, same thing. And he replied, copying all the managers in the company. And later on, he told me the reason why I told you to send me an email was so that even if I'm not here, your education will not be disturbed. So for four years, I, went, I came to Pacific Life Bible, study, uh, Bible College. I studied my bachelor's in theology. And uh, my husband would, uh, I would come to school, study till 11.30, five days a week, take five subjects, 
till 11.30. My husband would pick me at 11.30, rush me to downtown, and I would walk from 12.30 to uh, 9.30 p.m. Everybody would go at 5 p.m. I was the only one left from 5.30 to 9.30 alone. But I was faithful. I did work. I didn't waste time. I did work because I knew Jesus was watching. So wherever you are, even if your managers are not looking at you, watching you, you know that you have been placed there by Jesus. So fear him and be faithful at whatever you are doing. Make sure. Praise God for that. That's the only way I, I, I lasted all the time in my company and in PLBC, and I was able to finish what I wanted to do. The Bible says in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, He who has started good work in you shall continue till the day of Jesus Christ. So I, 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 my husband would uh, drop me to downtown at... Uh, at 12.30, I would, study, I would work till 9.30. 9.30, he'll pick me up, bring me home. 9.30 to, uh, from 10 to 10.30, I would cook for the family. And then my husband changed his shift. From day shift, he took night shift so that he could accommodate his wife so that I could do what I wanted to do. And then from 10.30, 11 o'clock, he'll go to work. And after he left for work, from 11 to 2 a.m., I was studying. I was studying from 11 to 2 a.m. And then I'd take a little bit of sleep, and then 8 a.m. I'll be back in PLBC. I graduated with honor of. <laughs> Praise God. He made the impossible possible. Which office would allow you to go and study full-time and go and work full-time when everybody has left for home and give you the privilege to stay back a couple of hours and study? And then my husband changing his shift to allow me to continue to study. And then in my natural self, I could not have done all these things, being a full-time student, a full-time wife and a mother and a family person, a full-time student, still graduating with my honor roll, and on this platform, be called one day and be ordained as a minister. I praise God. Pastor Craig and Shandamila, wherever they are, and Pastor Mike, they came. They continuously talked with me. I wouldn't call it an interview, but they were constantly uh, uh, being in touch with me for almost an year, talked and and, and, and just talked and talked. I don't know what they were getting out of me while they were talking, but at the end of the day, they came and they said, yes, we can ordain you as a minister now. So the first time I woke up this stage was when I got my certificate, when I finished my uh, bachelor's. The second time I woke up when I was ordained as a minister in this church. Pastor Craig, wherever he is right now, throughout the week he has been sending me text messages, emails, encouraging me, telling me that he's praying for today. And, and he's a good shepherd. All of us has been bestowed to him uh, as, as the sheep at this season and wherever he is. But he still remembers his sheep. He remembers that. How much more does that good shepherd remember each one of us whom he has given his all? whom he has died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, defeated Satan, and given us eternal life. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And uh, I'm going to just skip some of other things. And uh, God has done 
what he was supposed to, what he wanted to do. Right now, whatever we ask in Jesus' name, God answers our prayers. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 says that when we are in Christ, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, it says that when we are in Christ, our old has gone, we are new. God reconciled the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He has given us the ministry of uh, reconciliation. God did what he wanted to do. Jesus came on this earth. He did what he did on the cross. And he said, it's finished. He already took all our pain, all our shame, all our sickness, everything, everything, our sinful nature. He took it away. And he has given us the resurrected life. He has given his all to us. He has given us the authority. He has even given us the Holy Spirit, the helper who is with us right now. He has given us the helper who reminds us of the scriptures, who reminds us of the, of the word of God and helps us to walk with Jesus, who helps us to follow Jesus. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew the work that he did, what was the significance of that. Do we know our purpose? Do we know who we are? Do we know the work that we do? What is the significance of that work? I'm not talking to the managers, the accountants, the lawyers, the office, whatever office you are holding. I'm not talking to you people. I'm not talking to parents. I'm not talking to a mother or a father or a daughter or a son or an aunt or an uncle. I'm not talking to you. Because all these things will perish one day. All the relationships will perish one day. When we stand in front of Jesus, when we stand in front of God one day, we will no longer be the doctors, the managers, the accountants, or, or preachers, or teachers, or ministers. We won't be any one of these. We will be the child of God that God called us to be. And now that you take a moment and think, who you are and the works that you are doing, what is the significance of it? What is the significance of the work that you are doing? And those of us who do not know Christ, I just want to let you know before I finish that the word says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not, have, shall not perish but have eternal life. I was abused at the age of five, lived my whole life in fear. At the age of 17, got married. At the age of 19, got an extravaganza job, a job that I loved, became a celebrity. And then encountered Jesus in 1996, 23rd of August, at 9.15 p.m., when I said, Jesus, I'm yours. And my life was not just changed, it got exchanged. Now I have a purpose. My purpose, my, my goal, my mission, my everything. Every, the Ten Commandments can be summed up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength in everything that you have in you. And the second one, love others. We know how to love our Christian brothers and sisters. Loving those who do not know Christ 
is telling them the good news. They are heading towards hell, bringing them up and showing them the way towards heaven. And when we end up in heaven, all we will see there is, is our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. All we will see there is the saved souls. Things of this world will perish, but things of God is for eternity. My goal, my mission, my everything is loving God, spending time with Him, loving others. And when I mean loving others, reaching out to the lost soul at any cost. So brothers and sisters, friends, family, I just want to leave a note with you. This wife, this, this life is very, very precious because Jesus gave his all for you, for me. And now it's our turn. What about us? What are we doing? What is our purpose? Last slide. What is our purpose? Know your purpose. Pursue your purpose. Let the Holy Spirit lead. And those of us who do not know Christ, that's the sweetest thing. That's the sweetest name. And when we give our life to Jesus, our life is not just changed. It's exchanged. Just like mine. My sinful nature, my self-righteousness, my pride, my fear, my every other thing was exchanged with Jesus' resurrected and joyful and abundance life. He said, I have come here to give you life, life in abundance. So if you are ready to take the life, life in abundance, I'm going to pray for you and those of us who are already in Christ and, and we just want to get closer and we want to know the purpose, why God has called us and what is our purpose. I'm going to pray for you and then hand over the mic to our dear Pastor Daniel. If you have any questions, feel free to go to Pastor Daniel and his team and, and, and ask him 101 questions while you are having your barbecue. He'll be happy to share with you. There are other pastors around. You can go to them and ask them, come to me if you want. I'll be happy to let you know whatever I can through the word of God and 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 let's 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 be who we are so I'm gonna pray let's bow our heads Heavenly Father I thank you I thank you for the word that you gave me I thank you Lord God that my life was not just changed but exchanged I thank you God that things of this world will perish but things of God is for eternity I pray for all my brothers and sisters Lord God who did not know you when they entered in this building, who want to know you, who want to come closer to you, who were touched by you today, God. I pray for their salvation, God. I pray, Lord God, that they will be able to see you. They'll be able to get a touch from you, Lord God. They will be able to receive the free gift of eternal life that you have graciously given for all humanity, Lord God. All those who believe in you, Jesus Christ, will have this salvation, God. And I thank you for these people, God. And for the rest of us, Lord God, who may have gone a little bit cold, Lord God, your word says that you will spit out the lukewarms. Father God, I just pray, Lord God, that we will be careful, Lord God. We will honor the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Lord God. And Father God, I just pray we will know who we are and the significance of the work that we are doing. We will know the purpose that we have, Lord God. We will not live for ourselves alone, God, but we'll live for you, God. For what matters to Jesus, Lord, let it matter to all of us. And lost soul, do matter to you, God, because you died for all, so that we could be reconciled 
back to Abba Father. So Lord, have your way in all of us. In Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray. Amen.